Applications for the Techstars Tech Central Sydney Accelerator Class of 2024 are closing on the 22nd of May. I'm Kirsten Hunter, the Managing Director of Techstars Sydney, and I'm looking for diverse and unstoppable founders who are using technology to solve the world's biggest problems to join this Accelerator cohort. The 12 successful businesses will get access to our 13-week mentor-driven accelerator, $120,000 US investment, and access to the Techstars network for life. Head to our Accelerator webpage to learn more and to apply. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists, to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Day One, the podcast that spotlights Australian startups, founders, and the organizations that empower Australian entrepreneurship. We go back to the beginning to tell the story of Australia's most inspiring founders and how they built their companies. On the episode today, we have... My name is Craig Swan. I'm the event director for South Start, which is Australia's human-first innovation impact festival, bringing together entrepreneurs, technologists, creators, uh, and founders from across the country uh, to share ideas. I've been in Australia a little over three years, and when I arrived, it was run by a, a, a couple of guys, Stephen Shai. I think they started in like 20. 14 or so, and they gave it a, a run for some time, I think, just based on probably, you know, not as you do, and, and, and more importantly, I guess, the success and, and the focus on their own business, yeah. they kind of decided that they were going to kind of leave it. And one of our partners, Jason Neve from Moonshine Lab, who I was an entrepreneur in residence with when I first arrived, was very adamant that, you know, the event should stick around. And I had ex- experience running putting together big festivals and events and, and said, I'd be happy to do that largely as a result of, you know, what I was sort of seeing in the startup ecosystem here and, and the need for a consolidation of community. So yeah, since 2018, I've sort of been uh, running that uh, alongside Danielle Seymour. Right. Uh, so you, did you say you moved to Australia in 2018? At the end of 2017. 2017. And was that straight to kind of South Australia? Uh, yeah. So my partner is, is originally a, a South Australian. We were living in New York for about 10 years previously and uh, decided to, to leave in, in 2017 and, and landed here. And actually didn't plan on staying, if anything, actually probably been more a result of, of me really kind of seeing what was happening and, and sort of navigating South Australia thought there could be considerable sort of potential in the next 10 years. It kind of felt like uh, Austin, Texas did for me in the in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. So we decided to stick around and that one year that was just very transformative. You know, you had a, a change in government, you had the Lot 14 and then the bringing on this, this uh, space agency and then us putting this event together. So a lot of stuff happened very quickly that kind of solidified this idea that South Australia was on the move. Did you get straight into startup land in South Australia when you were there? And if so, what did it kind of look like? What did the community look like? 
you know, at my heart, I'm really a creative technologist. So the, the first kind of community I was really looking to, to tap into was sort of the creative and, and technology sector, which was impossible to find. There, there was really nothing that was really community-based at all. So the closest thing that kind of, you know, fell into that was just sort of the startup scene. Which, you know, I also have a lot of experience running a couple of startups previously in, in the States. And so that's when I kind of saw, and I guess it was a time when there was, I think, a lot of government support for the accelerators and incubators. But from my perspective, I just saw a lot of fragmented kind of communities, a lot of duplicative efforts. You know, I think it's part of kind of like the mindset and culture here in South Australia, what school you go to kind of mindset where people kind of get put into these sort of uh, worlds and networks that don't often cross pollinate. So mm. one of the things that was very key, key on wanting to help facilitate before the opportunity came was to figure out how good community kind of come together a little bit more and not be so much sort of siloed off. Yeah. Comparatively, what is the ecosystem like now today? How, how much has it changed over the last few years, would you say? Well, certainly, I mean, it, it, it's, it's still nascent, but it was it was much more nascent, I think, previously before a, a lot of some of these initiatives took place. So I think there's still a sense of it growing. It's interesting. I mean, it, it's been about three years, but it, it seems that there's like a two to three year kind of churn cycle for a lot of people that kind of come into this. I think a lot of people put in a lot of effort. You know, there's not a lot of ROI for, for community and evangelist sort of, you know, efforts. So I think there's a lot of people that have kind of, you know, got a little bit burned out building it. So... I'm still not sure where it is. It's, you know, I think it's I think it's still growing. I still find there's just a lot of uh, people that are, you know, head down doing their own stuff with their own people. I think there's a lot of room um, for growth and opportunity and to, to better cross-pollinate. And not just the startup ecosystems. I think the more that we try to find ways to bring in corporates and more different technologies and more creatives into the community, which is what it really needs, we'll see more of this stuff happening. But yeah. still, it's, it, it, you know, it's a couple hundred people. It's quite small. Mm. Were you involved? You said you ran a couple of startups back in the US. So you were pretty heavily involved in the startup scene in the US as well? Yeah. So I, I, I sort of launched two businesses while I was in New York. So as a result of that, you're just weaving yourself through the, the startup communities uh, in New York, which is obviously very, very different than here. So it's, it's been interesting to sort of see the, the dynamics and, and sort of grow here. Yeah, I mean, that's the question that I wanted to ask. What's the big difference that you've noticed between the two cultures? Well, I mean, there's just a severe amount of complacency here. There's, there's no existential threat really in South Australia that, that drives people to, to affect change at the, the sort of step pace that you would see in New York, for instance. I mean, I think just there's a lot of like, this has been great. Let's get together next week and have another coffee and have the same conversation. There's a lot of like, less interest in, in moving things forward whereas you know in new york you'd sit down you'd be sharing people you should be connecting with people would be sitting down on the phone right there shooting texts and emails connecting people to make the next step where mm-hmm. i think people are much more guarded of their relationships and their networks I, you know I, listen i think a lot of people will talk collaboration a lot more than they really want to participate in it and i think that's just part of the culture here there's a very much i think a, a bit of a zero-sum mindset here where you know instead of growing a, a pie people are more concerned about the ability to hold on to the biggest piece that they can and i think a lot of that comes to the fact that at least up until now so much of this has been based on government support so if if you're not learning how to raise money by getting customers or finding your own investors or angels or someone to fund your business you're relying on grants and the government to do that which is a zero-sum game so yeah you you have a lot of people you know like again i think i mentioned you know i came right at the the change of the guard in terms of the election 
And I was uh, entrepreneur residence at Tech NSA, which was kind of like the previous, you know, fix, I guess, if you would, with the last government. And I can just remember during that sort of freezing period, all the, the, the startups I was mentoring just kept saying, hey, listen, do you know when they're going to unlock the funds? And, and I just thought this is such a toxic way of, of thinking about raising, thinking that the government is responsible for for you building your business more than you learning how to mm. uh, gain skills to grow customers, to market yourself, to, to, to find alternative uh, ways of funding. So I think that's just a lot of the culture here in the state generally. So there's going to take some time to, to shift that. But I feel that's the biggest uh, challenge and, and thus opportunity to, to, to move that forward. If you had to pick a couple, one, two, biggest strengths that the state has, that it, you know, a competitive advantage for startups, if it does exist? I think it, there's two sides that certainly, you know, this whole sort of small town uh, mentality and, and that sort of two degrees of separation thing, in, in many ways, I think the fact that you could be just walking through the CBD and, and just bump into people very uh, easily and, 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 and conduct business that way is powerful. But at the same time, I think, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there's, a, there's a tendency to be very cautious with, with regards to exposing networks to other individuals that are looking to tap into that. So on, on the one hand, you've got this advantage of, of just a, a close-knit community where everyone knows each other. But then you've got, you know, all the baggage that goes along with, you know, the way that it's sort of been built from a social perspective. So I think there's an opportunity there in terms of, of that. I mean, I think Lot 14, you know, is slowly starting to get some legs and and, and become a bit of an epicenter where people can kind of congregate and, and actually, you know, create connections and, and, and build opportunities. So, but that's not unique to here, certainly. That's you know, something unique in the last couple of years, but certainly the other states and certainly other parts of the world, you know, have been doing this for some time. The strength, you know, I, I don't know if it's that easy. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm always looking at the, the challenges more than the strengths, and maybe that's not always the best way to look at it, but, but I guess that helps me serve how to solve those problems versus just coast on, on what's working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of a tremendous deep tech here. I mean, certainly, and probably the result of, of being so d- defense-based and with a lot of uh, academia, this amazing, amazing deep technology here, which I think is which is a huge advantage for the state. You know, coming with that, of course, is, you know, the lack of commercialization that's happening around that. So I see it as an opportunity, but certainly I think that the deep tech, uh, whether it's, you know, bio, whether it's, it's space or defense and, and sort of these deeper technologies, AI and then machine learning, I think these are the, the, the big advantages because we're going to see the convert, the convergence of these technologies is where I think we're going to see the, the biggest exponential opportunities. So I think that's lying dormant to be um, realized. Yeah. Okay. Let's switch gears a bit into South Start. Can you give me the elevator pitch and and how you got involved and and why you got involved with South Start? Well, certainly, as I mentioned, South Start was something that was more inherited than something that we built from the ground up. So from day one, being called South Start and taking on that name, I I think we've been very keen to to make sure that the, the South and South Start isn't locked into South Australia thinking. And, and more growing this into a Southern Hemisphere opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think when I came here, I realized there's a big white space in these kind of events nationally. There's not a lot of big ticket events that bring the, the big ideas and innovation to the front. So, you know, we really position Southstar more as a, a very human first innovation and, and sort of technology festival w- with a side of impact. So I think trying to take the things that are, I think, powerful for the nation, but trying to create a platform that brings together more than just I mean, the same thing that we see here with the sort of siloed off, fragmented type of community here. 
you know, I realized moving around the country more, it's like, it's like, you know, my innovation precinct is bigger than yours kind of syndrome going on from state to state where everyone is trying to build these different hubs, but still there's not a lot of collaboration between states. And as an outsider coming into a new country, certainly I'm looking at what is uh, Australia doing on the larger global innovation scale. And I think when you sort of see that sliding, you sort of want to push to how do we cement and build more of these collaboration, these opportunities. So we really pushed this to be a national event. And at this point, you know, there are other events previously like Myriad and StartCon, which are no longer. So, you know, we've really kind of grown into that white space to kind of become the de facto innovation and impact event in the country. So that's the direction we want to continue moving, obviously, with what's going on in the world. It becomes a little bit problematic to grow that into the Southern Hemisphere. But, you know, as things start opening up, you know, we see this moving into being able to create more partnerships with sister cities like Christchurch and New Zealand, trying to bring Singapore into the mix and, and some of these other big ecosystems that are in the, in the region, trying to, you know, bring those together because that's where real growth will, will happen in terms of being able to expand to new markets. Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. Big, big ambitions, big goals. I think you mentioned you were the entrepreneur in residence when you first come here. So you've obviously helped a lot of founders. And this is a question that I ask everybody that I'm interviewing. It's the advice question. A new, a new founder come to you tomorrow, just started out. What, what one piece of advice would you give them to slightly increase the chances of their success? Figure it out first. Too often I have people that, that have an idea. I mean, I, I sat multiple times when I first came in, I'd, I'd be sitting asking about someone's company to be telling me, and I would just sit there and, and just type in what they kind of do into Google. And I see a couple of different companies in Australia doing the same thing. And, and, and a lot of the time, these companies had no clue that they even existed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the biggest thing here, which I see differently, is that, that people have an idea and they instantly you know, think it's great or it gets validated by a friend or a parent or someone. And they just start building it. Like, I mean, I, had a, I actually had a call just last week with someone that, that's already spending tens of thousand dollars building an app for something and they have yet to even talk to the two-sided market aspect of, of, of the buyers and sellers for this idea to see if they're even interested. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm trying to tell them, like, this person it, it, it thinks it's a great idea. It's, it's a completely different market than what they do for a living. And I see too many times people that are just jumping right in, investing in building apps or building uh, websites or platforms without even specking out whether there's a market for it. And so the first thing to say, time is to, to have people really do that due diligence and at the same time as doing that making sure that they're looking beyond this kind of thinking of you know state borders or maybe you know national thinking globally so i'm very happy in one regard that that covid has really really accelerated the transformation piece from a digital perspective because when i first arrived here I, it felt a lot of the time that <laughs> that Adelaide didn't get the memo on how the internet worked. You know, there's very few people that were actually leveraging the power of, of this, this global network to build their businesses. I mean, the only person that was really, that did it here, I would say was, was Toby and, and, and with sweat. I mean, they use the internet to build something that became global. Whereas on the East coast and, and Melbourne city, people were doing lots of stuff. There was, I mean, there's just dozens and dozens of women <laughs> selling stuff on Instagram. I mean, in some way understand there's a market out there and they can tap into that. So, Number one, it's really trying to make sure that people understand the problem that they're solving, who they're solving it for, and then speaking to these people and really getting a good handle on it. I mean, you could sit there and mock up your whole idea in an interactive keynote uh, presentation that you could build on your own so you can learn and think through the process yourself and get real feedback and it costs nothing. 
But I see a lot of people here just looking to write grants and get money and start building without having any clue where it's going. So I think that's the biggest mindset thing, I think, that I try to instill in people I talk to to just make sure that they're they're addressing something. Because the sad part is, and, and uh, you know, I see a lot of this here is that, you know, you get bright people with an idea and they, they go through these university accelerators and they win $10,000 awards. And I've seen people that have been sort of prodded on for years and years moving through these different sort of accelerators, incubators, you know, getting money, getting support, doing stuff. But in the end, truly, the business will never succeed. It's got no market, but maybe it looks great and they do a great job of presenting. It's a smart person, so everyone wants to promote them. But the reality is I see people spending two or three years since I've been here building something that, that you just know will not work or mm. I truly believe will not work, but they get pushed on by the community because, you know, everyone's trying to help each other and, and, and foster that. But I think not a lot of people have the real insight to what might be successful or, or what might not be or have the credentials to, to warrant that. And that, that's the thing. I, I just don't like people wasting time, right? I mean, life is precious. Time is precious. And I think a lot of time people are, are just chasing their, their tails on ideas that, that haven't been validated. Do you have any unpopular opinions that you know is right, but no one seems to agree with you on? One of the things that I say a lot is that we're kind of struggling with this idea of ecosystem because going to what I was saying earlier, it's like what we have is more ecosystems, right? We have people that feel like they can own community when you can only serve it. So, And that's one of the problems. You've got all these different people um, looking to try to be that same thing. And instead of coming together and collaborating, they, 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 they become more competitive and try to hold on to that. So, so in that sense, you're not allowing the free expression and movement of elements of a system to interact and, and interplay with each other. So certainly I, I see that happening. I see it happening here in Adelaide, but I also see it on a national perspective. I think there's just not a lot of connectivity. And I, I, I don't know what exactly that is. You know, I'm, I'm new here. I think a lot of it actually has to come with, you know, being Australian and and being in this part of the world and, and that whole tyranny of distance, like I think all these things have played into a certain complacency here. And I, I can't fault people. I mean, there's so much amazing things about living here, but that, that kind of breeds a sense of complacency, which doesn't really push the needle or, or move people to do the uncomfortable things. Yeah. I, I think that's it. There's, there's a lot of lip service to community or ecosystems, but it's not nearly there. And I think the biggest reason, and I, this is probably you know not popular because it's a few times, is that there's too much reliance on government. And, and I get that government uh, has some role to play, but I think there's too much of a reliance on it. And, and this needs to be founder-based. But again, being a nascent community or ecosystem or whatever word you want to use, we, there still haven't been a lot of successes and no successes breeding the type of founders, individuals that then go back in to help nurture and support the community. Certainly in, uh, in South Australia, there's very, very, very few of those. And a lot of the people that do have success don't decide to put that energy back into the next generation of young founders. Mm. So I think that's, I mean, ultimately when you look at successful stuff in communities elsewhere in the world, that's what you see. You see a successful exec, successful founders coming back in and mentoring and providing that next level of investment support, angel support, just mental health, mentor support. And there's just not a lot of that here. So you, you sort of have to rely on, on the government doing that. And it certainly doesn't help if you have a change in government where, the next government just, just acts as everything that was done and then rebuilds it with a new set of acronyms and, and they do it again. And so when you're tied to election cycles for some of this innovation growth, you, you, you just don't have that bipartisan big picture kind of like goalposts that you're all moving towards. Yeah. So I think that, that that's the problem when you rely on government. So I think 
you know, weeding off the, the, the teeth of government as a way to fund or to support stuff is, is the direction that we have to go. But that requires, you know, a lot of people to really do the hard slogging and, and having to do the sacrifice. And I think that's what we've seen. But people get burnt out with it. There's just no ROI for a lot of people that are doing this just for the love of it. And you can only do that so long without seeing any kind of rewards before you fall out. And then you got to start it over again. So, I mean, yeah. I've only been here three years. That, that's kind of, you know, what I've sort of seen. And what actively we're trying to do is, is just build a larger network and really connecting a wider swath of, of these sort of different elements of the ecosystem, but stand back and let them do it. Like, I don't know if you've been to South Star, but it's very human first in the fact that it's just tons of dinners and getting together offsites and going out to McLarenvale or Barossa and like really connecting over days and days so you form authentic, real relationships so that you can move those things forward. So, you know, we leave it to very system-based thinking where it's like everyone's a node in the system. We just try to bring them together, but how they interact and interplay, that's, that's up to whatever happens. My last question is really just opening up the floor to you. I mean, is there anything that is top of mind, anything that you're thinking about every single day that that you think should go into this series? I think too often this idea of uh, a startup ecosystem is just very, very narrow in terms of thinking what participants are a part of that. And, and one of the things that I just, especially when we talk about South Australia being, you know, deeper tech, you, you got a lot of introverted, intelligent people. The thing that I just want to really keep bracking down is, is, is finding ways to get more, a lot more of the, the creative communities to, to interplay with this. I mean, we're living in a time where, you know, we're, it's going to be more about making your job than taking a job. And I think people have to start thinking about startups in a much different way where, yes, you might not be an amazing technologist or you might not be the kind of uh, person with the personality to be a founder and change the world. But those companies are going to need people with financial skills, with marketing skills, with design skills. There's a whole bunch of things that happens in a startup when it grows that it needs to grab those people. And I think those people are not a part of that thinking of understanding what entrepreneurship is. So, you know, I always... And focused on trying to get uh, more youth, more creative people, more people just to be understanding that if you have a problem that you want to solve, and certainly a lot of young people care passionately about the people and planet, you're halfway on the way to, to being a part of a startup. You just got to find a couple other people that have that same passion to solve a problem, and you, you come together and you solve it. And, and that's what entrepreneurship is. That's what being a startup is. But I think so many people get thinking it's Gordon Gecko and business, and it's just something very different than just trying to solve problems. So I think it's it's top of mind would be more that education piece of having people understand that this is the future that we're living in. We live in a state that is largely, uh, you know, government run with a lot of administrative jobs and you're touting one of the, the world's best, you know, AI and machine learning institutes. That technology is going to displace those jobs. So we have to be very conscious of the fact that we have to be understanding of where the future is going and the roles that we need to play with our own skill sets, with our own thinking to play in that. So it's really trying to provide that bigger picture of why startups are important. It's not a gimmicky thing or some you know other way of, of, of earning an income. It's the way that the future is going. This is how I see it going. So it's really more about bringing those people together to, to have that kind of thinking to kind of help accelerate and strengthen the bonds of community that, that build an ecosystem.
I hope you enjoyed that interview. More interviews are on the way. Follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Stay tuned for more interviews with many, many more amazing people from the Australian startup ecosystem. Thanks for listening and see you next time.